dude. Just like, you pull in, and you just get spit right out of them. And welcome to the Carve Up. I'm uh, in the studio all by myself, and we've got our other uh, co-host somewhere around the world. I think one's in Indonesia. I think the other is way up there, and then Gary will be talking to both. Of course, I'm talking about the Shooter McGuire and Will Weber throughout the show today. Very, very big show. A lot of topics to, to go over, but first and foremost, let's congratulate Mick Fanning and Carissa Moore on their wins over the past weekend there at Trestles at the Hurley Pro. Stop number eight on the WSL Surf League. Uh, you know, Mick coming off that big shark attack in South Africa in the final with Julian Wilson uh, to trump Adriana de Souza in the final. Very controversial final, I might add, but hey, Mick came away with the biscuits and Carissa Moore. Uh, the form that she's in right now, she's going to be hard to catch. So congratulations to both of them. On the show with me right now, all the way from somewhere in Indonesia, is Shooter McGuire. Shooter, you there? Yes, I am, Shmoo. How are you, boys? Look, it's um, <laughs> sorry I've been missing out of the studio for the last few weeks, but I've been uh, on a sojourn over in southern Sumatra, right through West Java, and now I'm uh, putting the feet up with the family and kids, mate, in the uh, in a nice little uh, bungalow in Bali, up in Bingen, actually, to be precise. Yeah, well, just, you know, not too much rubbing it in. Thank you very much. It's, <laughs> it's starting to warm up here in Sydney, Australia, but let me tell you, the nights do cool down quite dramatically. Now, uh, I know you've been paying attention or keeping a close eye on what's going on over over there in between uh, unbelievable surfs in Indonesia uh, with the Hurley Pro and, and all the goings-on that happened over the course of the week. Of course, one of the biggest talking points, Shooter, was uh, Freddie Pataccia of Hawaii um, with a blistering heat performance, you know, racks up a 10-point ride and then says, I'm done. Mate, that's, you know, what an unbelievable career hit Freddie's had, you know what I mean? I, when I saw, I've only been getting sort of uh, drip-fed the results of that, of that contest because I was sort of out of the zones you know, when I'm away here, but, you know, I saw that 10-point ride that he got, and I, you know, I really was hoping that he was going to go on with it, I, I could see the fairy tale finish for him, but I absolutely respect what he's did, you know, he's, he's got the 10, he's gone out on top, no one can ever take that away from him, and mate, he's just had an unbelievable, I think he's been one of the most underrated surfers on the Pro Tour for a long time. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you there, you know, Freddie has such a tenacious competitive ability to, uh, to rise uh, above and beyond in in, um, in any type of conditions. Of course, coming from Hawaii, he excels at pipeline and sunset, and, and you know th- those are his backyard pet events, if you like. But he's also done very well at trestles over the previous years. And you know he he the one thing I like about what Freddie did is he did it on his terms. It was very tough decision. Exactly. He said that in his post heat interview. Um, he had his little baby girl there with him. And you know what? I, I think all, a lot of the surfers now with families. Um, would be looking at what Freddie did and how he said it and how he went about it in such a professional manner, um, you know, uh, again, doing it on his terms. Yeah, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think he's ever surfed better. I mean, just, just watching him surf over the last couple of years, I, I, I absolutely think he's at the top of his game. I think he's. I think over the years he's been one of those surfers. There's a few of them on the tour that just, you know, some of the big-name surfers just seem to get those heat results, and, and Freddie seemed to be sometimes just on the other side of the ledger where there was plenty of heats that I thought should have gone his way that didn't. But, mate, just watching him surf, you know, over the last year, mate, I honestly don't think he's been surfing any better. He's I, surfing unbelievable. I think once he took on the Kelly Slater look with no hair, he, he, he started to rise above, you know, and beyond a lot of his fellow younger competitors. You know, I, I always come back to this shooter 
experience plays a massive part in uh, winning those close heats, winning those tough heats. And Freddie showed that uh, over the course of the last four or five years. Yeah, absolutely. Is, 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 is his retirement, is there a hint of frustration there that he, that he maybe could have gone better? Um, you know, or is it, or is it just a, a simple fact as what you said, you know, that the family's involved now and it, and it is, I mean, as much as it is the dream tour, I mean, when you've got a family and you're packing your suitcases every couple of weeks, it, is, it can become a bit of a grind, can't it? Oh, Although look, a lot of people would like to have that, have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I sort of had that problem when my son was born. I, I, I actually retired right when uh, Brandon was born, but um, Freddie is, you know, He's got two kids now. He's, he's uh, you know, they're a few years old. You know, you start to think different differently. You don't, there's that competitive fire. If you're not 110% committed to it, well, then, you know, it's time to pack in the jersey. And, and Freddie did it on his terms when he was ready. You know, the, I guess the big question, right, is what do you do? Where do you go? Yeah. You live on a rock yeah. with perfect waves. You got a beautiful family. But yet all you know is surfing. What do you do, right? Does your attitude change? Does your attitude change when you've had a family and you start looking over the ledge of twenty foot chopper? Uh, is that is that is that play a part in your mental the mental side of things when you're thinking about retirement and you're getting a little bit older? Well, I, I appreciate the compliment of you know me looking over the over twenty foot <laughs> ledge at chopper because I've never done that. But as far as Freddie Patash, I wasn't talking you know, about you. I wasn't oh, talking that's about right. you, son. <laughs> yes, def- definitely. You, you know, you start to think differently. Um, and the family becomes in the forefront of your mind when you're competing. Um, and that's what probably uh, happened to Freddie Patasha to, to a certain degree, right? So he's thinking, what am I going to do? And you know what? He's probably had something in planned for the last probably three to five years. And I think a lot of surfers need to take yeah. a page out of Freddie Patasha's book and plan for the future. Because let me tell you, after surfing, unless you're, not, unless you're set up for the future, you go to work. You, you've lived the dream, and then you go to work just like I am right now. I'm working with Shooter McGuire, and we're talking about you know one of the legends of the sport. You know, and I, honestly, if you were to ask me what I think Freddie was going to do after, I think he gets into commentary. I think he's he's done it before. He's fantastic, and they need a little bit of a spark in that commentary team. No offense to the guys that are doing it now. Not scared. Not scared they, to speak his mind. But they definitely need. They definitely need. Yeah, and he's not afraid to speak his mind. So I, I think Freddie Patasha for him. Getting a commentary, he's got the voice for it. He's got the credibility and the knowledge. So uh, you know, what a career, though. I mean, spanning nearly twenty years. Mate, it's been it's been great. I mean, you know, he, he can look back on that, and I mean, he's, he's probably left no stone unturned as far as his you know, as far as his commitments gone to the tour. Just want to clarify something as well, Shmuel, when we're talking about your retirement. I mean, there is a big difference. I think uh, if I'm not if I'm not wrong, didn't you retire after the Florida contest where they used the uh, the speedboat to generate one foot waves because uh, they didn't have the uh, they didn't have the old waiting periods back then, did they? In the no, Dream Tour? No, it was it was on regardless rain, shine, snow, sleet, didn't matter, buddy. Hurricanes, typhoons. No, I actually retired uh, in 1999 uh, at the Coca Cola Classic over there in Manly. It was the first event that I was in, the last event I was in uh, of my career. But it's not about me; just a little snippet is. But um, you know, Freddie's had a great career. He's going to go on to bigger and better things. And you know, uh, on behalf of the show, the Carve Up, um, we want to say yeah. thanks for you know giving us all the exciting moments to Freddie Patacia and and uh, you know give us your feedback on our Facebook channel. So um, we, we look forward to hearing that. Though, before we let you go, though, I know you were getting drips and drabs and scores and results and stuff while you're over there catching perfect waves in, uh, in, in Bali. Um, did you happen to see that one freakish maneuver that, that, uh, that bald guy Kelly Slater did? Mate, I saw it, and I, mate, I can't believe how separated he was from his board and how he, 
how he somehow. I mean, we've seen I've seen him do it before in different situations with different manoeuvres, but to come out of the whitewash. I mean, he was down and he got back to his feet, but mate, to even get to even get his board back under his body at at any stage there was freakish. To get a four point one or whatever he got for that, mate, I think that was just ridiculous. Over the you know over all the contests you see, you see Blake's getting sevens and eights for you know for nothing anywhere near what what that bald-headed freak did. So, mate, I thought he was heavily underscored, and I think it was very controversial. Yeah, definitely. Look, I'm, I am going to agree with you on that one, and um, he's probably getting sick of us calling him bald. But, hey, let's face it, you're bald, Kelly. You know, just suck it up. <laughs> oh, now, my. And I, <laughs> and, I, and I agree with you. I think the judges, quite simply, did not know how to score that because there is only one person outside of maybe John John, maybe Felipe, or... Gabriel Medina, maybe. It's a big stretch of a, of a long bow that would know how to uh, come out of that and make it well, look as good as it did. What was the general consensus amongst the surface, Shmoo? Like I mean, I, like I said, I, saw, I did see the wave and I, I was getting drip-fed the scores. But what, what was the general consensus out there amongst not, not just the surface but the, the public in general about, about it? It was a 50-50. I think uh, a lot of people were split. A lot of people say, you know, he didn't, he didn't ride out of it cleanly. Richard Richie Porter actually was interviewed by Ross Williams um, and said, you know, that's what they base their, their scoring on. Uh, and, and Kelly was pretty blase about it, too. He said, look, you know, it wasn't, I didn't make it. I was actually on my knees. He destroyed his surfboard in the process. But look, at the end of the day, I think that innovative, that presence of mind, that intuition to be able to, you know, freakishly have your board in front of you like that and then actually ride out of it and then complete more maneuvers, to me, was worth a seven. I'm the worst judge in the world, but a four one seven, you know what? If they said it wasn't complete a maneuver, give it a zero. Give it a zero. Hey Shmoo, did it happen did it happen early or late in the heat? Um, I think it happened right in the beginning of the heat. Um, and look, so, so would it have made a big? Would it have made much of a difference if it had happened with two minutes remaining in the heat? And he needed, and he needed a score to win a seven, say a six or a seven. That's a million dollar question, my friend. And we'll have to uh, bring one of the judges in if they're game to come to the carve up and be just that carved right up by the panel, and uh, you know, really tell their version of of what they think. Because again, let's let's face it. We're in a, an opinionated sport, and uh, it's not a perfect science, this judging thing. And I just think it was way more than a 417. What's a 417 anyways? Seriously. Mate, a, a, mate, a 417's absolutely nothing these days, what they're doing. But look, I, now I know that it was early in the heat. I, I honestly reckon they could not have possibly dared to give him a 4.17 if it was in the dying stages of the heat. No way in the world. All right. Well, we're going to leave you there, Shooter. You enjoy the rest of your trip to Bali. And, and you know, the question around the studio is: Is he hey. ever, is he ever going to come home? Doesn't sound like it. Just just quick, <laughs> just quickly, boys. I'm about to head down to Bingen today for a surf. Um, the, the, the swells picked up. There's, there's actually a, a really big surfing contest at the moment. The Hurley the Hurley Bingen Open, and it's uh, started yesterday, and it's showcasing all the best surfers in Bali, and not not, not any international pros or anything like that. There's some invited. Um, international surfers but mainly people that are now expats that are now living on the island but um it's basically you know all the best from the Uluwatu, Bingen, Padang Padang board riders and some from it at the Legian and Kuta area you got uh you know Rizal now I, I think Rizal now be up, up around 40 years of age but I saw him out there the other day and he was absolutely ripping they've got a uh, juniors you've got an opens they've got a masters division sponsored by Hurley there's Massive crowds down there yesterday. You know, if you can, uh, if you can make your way down the 160 stairs, it's it's a very, it's not a very uh, easy trek coming back when you've had about 15 bin tangs under your belt. But it's going to be a great day down there. It, it goes for the next three or four days, 
and um, anyone's in Bali, head down there and have a look. Some great surfing going on. Oh, well, good on you. Have a great time over there and make sure they uh, rope you up nice and safe from those 160 steps because I know you ain't making <laughs> at 100 of them. I've already broken my ribs. I've already broken my ribs three weeks ago, mate. I've only just recovered from that. So a fall down the stairs or up the stairs, mate, it just about finished me off. And I'll be back with you guys very shortly. Good on you, Shooter. Have fun over there, and uh, we'll see you when you're back in the studio. Shooter McGuire, all the way all from right. Bali. We are going to take a short break here at the Carve Up, and we'll be right back to talk plenty more surfing. And welcome back to the Carve Up. John Shimoka here alongside – well, actually, he's not alongside me this week. He's up in our – in our Angari studios, way up northern New South Wales. Welcome, Mr. Will Weber. Nice to be back on the carve up again and straight out from carving up at Back Beach with brothers John and Ben. Oh, you're back in the water up there, eh? You scared all them big sharks away. I have a feeling they're gone. I'm not 100%, but uh, good enough to go. There's about 10 of us out, so there was 20 pairs of legs out there. 10 pairs of legs. Uh, let's let's talk honestly though for a second. Do you, is it in the back of your mind? Because I mean, for me personally, I know it would be in the forefront of my mind the entire surf. What, what's it like paddling out and, and riding a wave and then having to paddle back out, uh, hoping to get uh, back to your mates very quickly? Well, look, there was a deep channel on the shore. Those long parallel gutters you get, and the nerves did kick in, and uh, it stunk like Jewfish, mate. So I just went, you know what? I think I've had a good little session. So hit the beach and in for an Earl Grey tea. Yeah, well, get out while you're ahead, right? Well, it's, it's good to see and hear that you're back in the water, Will. Um, and speaking of being back in the water uh, after a bit of an encounter at Jeffrey's Bay in the final with Julian Wilson, is Mick Fanning now with the yellow jersey as well as Carissa Moore, both Mick and Carissa winning the Hurley Pro and the Swatch Women's Pro there at uh, the fun park known as Trestles. Uh, thoughts, comments? Well, the Hollywood story is really writing out before us, isn't it? I mean, Mick's the biggest name in sport in the world, besides the cherry blossoms in the rugby. But, yeah, this is WSL just wanting Hollywood, and here we go, I think. I mean, he did the job, though. The guy's absolutely obliterating. Now, there, in, the, in the women's final, it was a bit one-sided. Carissa Moore um, definitely just took it to Bianca Betendach, who uh, put on a great performance. The big South African young lady, um, you know, backhand very powerful. But Carissa Moore, she's probably one of the most winningest surfers uh, at Trestles of all time, uh, just showcased – um, her ability to absolutely obliterate the field, and she came up with a win. But Mick Fanning, on the other hand, against Adriana de Souza in the final, will a little bit of controversy on, on a few scores there, especially the nine seven seven. I was going trolling through social media, and there is a lot of uh, back and forth, I guess you could say, about that score and how it set the tone for the final on that first wave. Um, so. Your thoughts on that, and, and is everyone just you know stating their opinion, having a whinge? What is it? It's hard to know. Like, Remember the days of Tom Curran. The guy's, his whole attack was so polished and professional, and I think Mick is just at such a peak at the moment that people just aren't used to it. They're used to seeing more breakout turns and crazy stuff from him, I think, from the past. But he's getting so polished now. And I think the judges are really appreciating that. Like, you saw that they didn't appreciate Kelly's fall-off on the 4.17. So, mate, I think the judges are on a different level to us, uh, obviously, because a lot of people are spinning out about stuff. I don't know if you talked about uh, Freddie's 10 before. Um, oh, mate, look, the judges seem to be on their own own level. So, mate, I'm not really 100% sure, especially I was one-eyeing a lot of the uh, final. Yeah. It was look pretty... 
early in the morning. Yeah, it was early in the morning. I was getting these uh, updates at 2 o'clock in the morning. i got to turn that part of that app off. It's killing me. But uh, <laughs> with, with the time differences, uh, look, the difference for me was was just in the, the back end of every turn from Adriano and uh, Mick. No doubt about it. Great final. Both surfers really turned it up, you know, put on a show, and that's what we want to see, right? But for me, it's just that – that longevity, that lengthening of mixed turns as opposed to a few short ones by Adriano was the difference in that final. There wasn't much in it. There was very little to be exact. But you could, if you go back and watch the replay, um, I, think, I think a lot of people may or may not agree that that was the difference. Mixed turns were much more uh, lengthened, and they, they looked really nice and tight in the pocket, whereas Adriano was trying to rush maybe potentially into that next section. But uh, Mick came up with the win. He wears the yellow jersey, as does Carissa Moore. Uh, and, and, you know, three events to go, buddy. It, it, you know, in the, on the women's side, it's going to be really tough to cr- catch Carissa. Extremely tough, especially going in Hawaii, and she's, she's done well in Europe and, and Portugal before. But on the other hand, when you look at the rankings, one through ten, yep. when you've got Mick and Adriano, Felipe's in third, Owen Wright down one, Julian Wilson down one into the top five still, Kelly Slater, well, he says he's going to – He's going to uh, you know, wrap, uh, hang up the jersey for a while. He will compete at Pipeline. He's in sixth. Gabriel Medina, seventh. Jeremy Flores in eighth. Ninth, Italo Ferreira. And uh, Nat Young rounds out the top ten. To me, mathematically, from six to ten, there is a long, long shot there. And there, hence Kelly Slater going, you know what? I'm not tied down to Quicksilver anymore. Uh, and who is tied down to Quicksilver anymore <laughs> except for the deck collectors, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, uh, you know, I think the top five. They're definitely well and truly in the hunt when you look at Julian, Owen, that- Felipe, Adriano, and then Mick wearing that yellow jersey. They are mathematically well within range. And the beauty of it all, guess where I think it's going to come down to? What are your thoughts on that top five? And do you think it will come well, down to pipeline? Look, it's going to be pipe. It's a real bummer that Owen had that heat where they, you know, they should have had a restart. That really let down his uh, chances. You know, a third with him there, mate, they. It'll be the top four only. Julian, my little baby girl, look at him. Three thirteenths and the twenty fifth. I think he's out of it. Mick's gonna be it look, it's top four. They're the guys. All right. Top and I'd probably four, say Owen and Mick. Yeah, look, uh I, I if it comes down to pipeline, I am gonna put I'm gonna put a line through Felipe. I think he yep. doesn't have the experience. I mean he's he is a freak. Uh, I got all due respect for that kid, but if it comes down to pipeline, he he just won't unless it's held at Gums over there at Beach Park. Uh, yeah, <laughs> then he's the, he's a front runner. But uh, if it's held at Good Pipeline or Backdoor, he'll have a dig, no doubt, because that's what he's supposed to do. But when you got Owen Wright and Julian Wilson, former Pipeline master, who's an outside chance, Adriana D'Souza, he's had a, a little bit of experience there. But then you look at Mick Fanning, who's won world titles there before and has got a wealth of knowledge and experience. I think the front runners will be Owen Wright, uh, Mick Fanning, and then an outside shot from uh, Julian Wilson. That uh, it, Look, it's happened before. I saw it with Derek yep. Lowe in 1993. He was number sixth. He had to win the event, and everything else had to fall into place. And, well, everything did, and he won, and he won the world title. So let's not count out Julian Wilson just yet. But, um, uh, yeah, you know, on that side of things, I think Mick's going into Europe. Your thoughts on, on you know, tackling Europe where he's won before in France and Adriano's won 
over there in Portugal. Portugal, I think. Yeah, he really likes Portugal, the Portuguese language link, and he gets on with the family there. Look, um, I think he's going to have too much going on in his head. The whole Brazilian thing, getting so close, as we saw that it happened uh, with the Tahitian when he had a good start to the year and just started, you know, got on top of him. Mick is an absolute mental machine and at his physical peak. Surfing his best, I reckon. His, his uh, equipment's looking perfect. He's off the yellow bottoms. No more shark worries there. So, look, I think you're dead right with that pick. Um, Owen's got to be really pissed about what happened at Lowers and could take out the next three out of anger. So who knows? But yeah, they're the three for sure. All right. And I think Kelly taking the time off is going to make next year really scary. Like he'll get physically good, mentally good, and get his equipment down, which obviously he's mucking around with a bit at the moment. But that gives him five months to launch at um, what's it called, Snapper. Yeah, and the other interesting thing too, let's not forget Kelly taking those two events off before Pipeline, which he said he will compete in, is he may be yep. the spoiler. He just oh. might be the spoiler, uh, and he won't give a rat's ass who he's surfing against, how big it is. Kelly Slater could spoil uh, Adriano's dreams. He could spoil Mick's uh, next world title dreams or Julian's first world title or even Owen's um, or Felipe for that matter. So, you know, Kelly, he's going to be one of those spoilers at Pipeline regardless, I think. But uh, let's, 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 let's look down at the bottom of the ratings just quickly before we go to a Ugh, break here. The bubble. Yeah, the bubble is boiling. <laughs> you know, you got guys like John John Florence. You got guys like Ace Bucken, who's up three spots but still in 17th. Then Jatson Andre, Miguel Pupo, Sebastian Zietz, Adam Mellon, Keanu Singh, Michelle Perez sitting down in the 25th position. Any one of these guys gets a good run in Europe, and it's on. You know, I mean, that bubble is so big and so boiling right now. I would be yep. shitting myself to be in that position because you know the pressure's on going into Europe. Well, look, Geordie, Freddie, CJ, they've got nothing to do with it. Kolohe, mate, look at that. 13th, 25th, that's terrible. He's the one that's got to really crack something open. He'd need a win or two. Well, the uh, th Banding's out, so, mate, it's really, yeah, Keanu, Michelle, up. Those guys, someone's really got to step up. I think Matt's got a lot in him. John John's been really odd. But Ace is ripping as well, so, mate, <laughs> that, that's the second title on there. Yeah, let's not forget that uh, well, the only thing that uh, Kaloy's got going for him sitting in 29th right now in the WSL is the qualifying series. He's actually uh, inside the top 10. So um, he's got that little uh, trump card in his back pocket, you know, and then he can and, relax there. And then we're going to talk about in, in one of our next shows as we get closer to the, the end of this, the season here is injury wild card because there is a lot of red INJ, which means injured. Yep on the WSL. A lot of injuries this year, so it's going to be interesting to see who get the two injury wild cards and, you know, who makes a plea for him. I know Jordy Smith would definitely be one of those guys, um, as he has indicated he's not coming back for the rest of the year. So uh, do, they have to put, do they have to put a case in? They how, how do they do it? You got any experience with that? Yes, I do. When I was managing Jordy Smith, he, his first year on tour, he got injured right before Pipeline. He was sitting 26th in the world. Um, just on the bubble uh, back in those days, and he was he was in jeopardy of of, um, of falling off the tour on his first year, and he had his case ready. You have to you submit doctor's reports, you submit uh, why you need to be picked there, and and then there's a there's a panel of I think five or six people who actually select the two wild cards, injury wild cards, and then you actually have two other wild cards that uh, are replacement surfers. For uh, if that's the way the ruling still uh, is in place, I, I'll have is, to, is uh, there a bit of sympathy versus sentimentality? Uh, there's a bit of cash. 
involved? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> a little bit of bro town politics potentially. I, I, I don't know. Re- really, they. I think it's a really tedious process that they go through. But when you look down the down the ratings here, especially down the bottom end of of the rankings, there's a lot of uh, red INJs, which means injured and and cannot compete. So John John's one of them. Uh, Michelle Perez is one of them. Jordy Smith is one of them. Top ten surfers in the world now down on the bottom of the field so we'll see it'll, it'll it'll play itself out through the next through the course of the next event although john john is competing and i would think he would he would finish probably close to the top 10 if not yeah. inside if he can get a win under his belt so we'll see we're gonna go to short break uh and we're gonna come back and talk about two different things before we wrap up the carve up for, for today one is that heritage heat that i'm uh, that i'm going to uh, apologize to the surfers for because they actually put on a, a fantastic show and then the Red Bull's Wave Pool event in Snowdonia. So stay around, stay with us here on The Carve-Up. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Carve-Up. Johnny Shmooshmoka here with Will Weber all the way up in our studios in Engary. Will, uh, talking about all things surf, of course. That's what we do here at The Carve-Up. And we just carve it up the way we feel necessary, don't we? Like some meatloaf, we sure do, out with the carving knives. And hopefully the NRL don't hire him for the uh, grand final fanat- uh, fanatics because he was absolutely shocking at the AFL grand final a couple of years ago. But uh, let's get back to the surfing action. One of the most amazing events um, that occurred over the weekend was this new Red Bull Unleashed event in Snowdonia in North Wales. Can you believe it? Surfing has gone to North Wales, buddy. Well, it's funny because I think part of my heritage is from Wales. So surfing left there many a year ago, and now it's back. And of all places, there's some funny names we get used to in surfing, but none funnier than Dalgarog. Like, I'll check you down at Dalrog on the weekend, Dalgarog, if you will. Yeah, it's going to be six foot and offshore, right? I'll see you at Dolgoro or Snowdonia. Like, it shouldn't be Surfdonia instead of Snowdonia. Uh, in northern Wales, who... Ever in their I think wildest... it's in a national park. Yeah, well, wherever it is, it's not in the ocean. And Red Bull uh, put on this an amazing event called the Red Bull Unleashed, where they had, you know, a lot of the world's best free surfers uh, that do like to compete. Guys like Albie Lair, Billy Sterman, um, Jordy Smith was a guest on hand. Jack Freestone, Mitch Cruz, Ian Crane, um, and it was ten deep. The crowd there was absolutely monstrous. Uh, and it was it was head to head, winner take all. Albie Lair won this year's event, and um, one of the quotes of the event was from Ian Crane, um, and he said, "How do I get in for next year?" He said it was really? absolutely amazing. So, uh, did you catch any of that? And, Look, and what do you know about wa- wave pools? Shorts and man, it was you know what do you call that? They're calling it two meters. If that's two meters, Jesus, I'm a basketball player, mate. Look. Hopefully, Greg's wave pool, you know I had to get to that. Um, they're going to really? twice overhead, so there we go. But look, the surfing looked good. Um, and look at that, the window, two-day window. So that makes it easy, great for coverage. Um, they had music on, I think, the guy's favorite bands playing at the time. So look, there's definitely a future. And if the guys said they wanted to get back and want to get into it, then, mate, there's your evidence. Yeah, so it was a head-to-head competition. Um, best five waves wins. Uh, once a surfer hits three wave, three wins, uh, the head to head match was automatically over and they move on to the next one, which, you know, obviously, you know, really decreases the time frame in which you need to run an event. I mean, there's music blaring, the crowd's right on your heels. They're basically, it's stadium surfing 
at its finest. And I think, you know, this will only sort of fuel that fire of wave pool enthusiasts um, like your brother, Greg, who's been concepting his Weber wave pools for a long, long time now. Um, so the question I want to ask you is when and where are we going to see a Weber wave pool up, functioning, rideable, and, you know, producing events like this? What nice timing. I just got an email from Greg. Another Carve Up exclusive here. Look, they've just taken a deposit on their first wave pool in the state. So as Greg said, that's better than a signed contract. That means someone's put some money in the account. So look, it's got to be within the next look two years, maybe a year. But they're looking at doing 10 pools and putting on a circuit. Well, I think this is a great segue to have Greg in the studio on our next show because then he can really highlight what's happening with the technology, how far it's come, how advanced it is, and realistically uh, when we could possibly see a WSL event in a, a workable wave pool because obviously Red Bull's doing it and maybe they're doing a, a little bit of a pirate tour uh, sort of takeover where they get guys like Jack Freestone who have massive followings uh, and Ian Cranes and Jordy Smiths, you know, who, who uh, would probably never be released from the WSL. They'd be foolish to do that. But let's start the debate. Let's, let's stir the pot a little bit. Let's bring Greg in here, talk about his concept, his wave pool, as opposed to, you know, what is like uh, the wave garden, really, um, and, and realistically get an idea of, of where it's all going. Well, look, I really think when his pools are set up and they have a circuit, like it's going to be one in – the future is one in every state in the states. So there, there's a contest a week, you know, nearly 50 states, weeks in the year matching up. So, well, look – Mate, do you man, have and the Bill There'll be so much money in it with the TV. <laughs> it was, there'll uh, be so much more money, so they'll be able to poach whoever they want. Yeah, look, realistically, it's going to come down to commercial value, right? You can turn on the switch, and, and you've, uh, you've got your waves running. You can run an event. It doesn't matter if it's you know, sunny outside, onshore at Huntington Beach. You're running a, an event in you know, six-foot surf. So I, I would love to get Greg's perception on, on you know, what we've just been talking about, what, when, where, and how, uh, and you know, how long is it going to be before we start seeing the best surfers competing as a points-rated event going towards a world title. Will that ever happen? My thought is if you can have an event at Huntington Beach with points on offer, you can have an event in a wave pool. Anywhere. <laughs> Any, well, anywhere realistically because we all have been out there when it's been dead flat and you're surfing anyways. Japan's no, no, no different. Um, you know, the ocean uh, makes up its own mind, right? So um, let's steer well, away look from how the, the sport was formed. The sport was formed on finishing off on Sundays in the wrong season all around the world. Think of Manly, think of Bondo, think of uh, Europe. Well, that's, that's changed, hasn't it? I mean, we see events finishing on Wednesdays and Thursdays now. So, look, maybe this is one step forward in, in the evolution of professional surfing. We'll see. But uh, the Red Bull has been run and won by Albie Lair, took all the goodies. And uh, I think there is a definite big future for commercial value in the sport of professional surfing at the highest level. Let's talk about the highest level of surfing, um, some of it during that heritage heat in trestles and boy did i stick my foot in my mouth uh, last show saying humble that pie humble pie eat it all up johnny shimoka i tell you I, you know i thought the boys were going to go out there the waves are going to be so lackluster and you know the old boys when we get to that age we're a little bit creaky and you know you got to put a little bit more oil grease grease them uh them pistons a little bit more but uh sean thompson uh michael ho uh mark richards i watched i watched the replay mark wasn't out there oh 
Rabbit, Rabbit and Ra- Shane. Rabbit, sorry, Rabbit and Shane. Um, but those guys, absolutely, Sean Thompson especially, how good was he? Oh, man, everyone was looking really crisp. Um, the funny thing was there were six of the guys in the lineup, and where the other guys in the WSL were failing to get rides, you know, till the 10th minute, these guys were getting a wave every 30 seconds, sharing them, taking turns. And, mate, the guys looked so crisp. Shane's big open face turns. The competitive nature of Rabbit just shone through, you know. He was going for the win. Yeah, Rabbit said in, in the post-heat interview that um, he thought it was going to be a little bit more competitive than it was. Everyone was really friendly out there. But that's Rabbit for you. He wants to get out there, put the gloves on, and duke it out, doesn't he? Well, I'm surprised he wasn't hiding under the railway tracks, you know, leaving it for a 10-minute late entry. He did that to me once at the Burley. Absolutely rattled me. I'm surprised he didn't put any uh, Vaseline on the deck of Michael Ho's board as he did down at, uh, or that's the story goes, down at Bell's Beach just before the final, and, and they had to scrap it out. So uh, there is no love lost there, but I tell you what, there's plenty of love in the water. The Heritage Cheat was absolutely amazing. I'll eat that humble pie all day long because I really enjoyed watching some of the waves that I got to see. And the, the old boys, they still got it. Well, mate, look, at I was just talking to Ben in the surf about Tom Carroll's performances back in the uh, – 90s with Derek Ho and stuff, and he goes, how was his her-? I said, did you see his heritage heat? And he hadn't. Mate, his surfing in that, I think he got a 10. He outscored the WSL guys on that day. So we've had that in the heritage heat, Tom Curran's 10, and now this. So, mate, I think there's a future for it, maybe even a heritage series, like a Masters Golf Tour. Well, I think that would be great in a wave pool. I think that would be very conducive to uh, awesome surfing. But we'll leave it there. Um, it works. And I tell you what, we're going we're gonna to go to a break here before we, uh, I think uh, there might be a call coming in very soon from uh, Chud Spivens all the way from uh, T Street with his wrap-up of the Hurley Pro and the w- Women's Swatch Pro over there at uh, Lower Trestles. But uh, enjoy this song during the break from the performers, Scarred for Life. We'll be right back with the carve-up.
And welcome back to The Carve Up, where we talk about all things surfing for real. That's what we do here at The Carve Up Show. And uh, so far, we've uh, had a great show. We've talked about uh, wave pools and Freddie P's retirement, Slater's, uh, well, underscored score, I think, Mick and Carissa winning the uh, Hurley Trestles Pro and uh, the Swatch Women's Pro down there in Southern California. Two great wins. Those two surfers will now retain the yellow singlets or jerseys if you like. And, whoa, hang on a second. There's just a call coming through. I can't really – oh, hey, there he is. It's Chud Spivens all the way in T Street. Chud, how you going, buddy? Fantastic schmoo, just treading the old boards, you know, going along up to Trafalgar Street along the railway lines, walked by so many famous surfers, Tom Curran and the like. What an event, man. What an event. Yeah, well, hopefully the sun was out, the surf was pumping. Uh, hopefully you slip slop and slapped your sunscreen on throughout the event because I, I, from what I hear, Chud was down there from sun up to sundown. Man, yeah, it was such an emotional event. Freddie P, what a, what a finish. What a nice guy. Surfing's nice guy, and I like nice guys. There's so many around here. Finishing off with a 10. What a perfect bowl of salad. That guy served that up like prawns on a platter in a French Riviera, which I'll be heading off to soon. On other mentions of judging, man, the two guys with the shiny heads, and I like that in a 40-year-old surfer. Kelly Slater going left. Man, he gave the crowd what they wanted. That was a tusked up. You know, that was a Caesar salad with a bit of pork French entendres on the side. Well, what do you think, uh, Freddie? Freddie went out. You, you made mention to the perfect ten he got, and then he just he just hung up the jersey and, and said, "Look, I'm doing it on my terms." I mean, I know he's been one of your favorites for a while now. Was it emotional for you down there? I mean, did you actually, you know, cry in front of people? Man, there were tears on the bowls for sure. I haven't cried that much since John Holmes hanged his bowls up back in the seventies. Man, that was emotion personified. Did you give Freddie a big hug? Did you get the chance, the opportunity to say thank you, Freddie, for all you've done uh, for, the, for the world of, for us punters, you know, people who just are, are huge fans? There was way too much emotion for me to see him a mano a mano, if you will. Later on, I booked up in the, in the Hyatt Resort. I got a room just for both of us, and we just sat down and looked at each other over champagne. You know, another French segue here because it's coming up. But we looked at each other. You know what? We didn't even talk. A simple tear between two men. Yeah. Now, uh, well, that's, I mean, that's touching, of course. I mean, hopefully there was no touching. But, uh, you know, did he give you any indication of what he's going to do in retirement? Is he going to go to work? Is he going to hang out with his family? Or is he going to just hang with Chud Spivens at T Street? Look. It's all about the future with Freddie. It's the children. He wants to bring them up NMM style, eating fruit salad and eating lots of lettuce and raw chicken, sashimi style, if you will. They can do that there in Kauai. He, look, man, the guy, he's salt of the earth. I can't really be doing much with the children at the moment. Still got the charges with that acid problem. But, you know, I'll be there where I can. I'll be there in, in situ at, at sometimes, but I'll be sending him emails and plenty of smoke signals. Oh, good on you, Chad. Well, the other thing I wanted to uh, sort of talk to you about, because I know you were front and center, was the Slater move, the, the, the backside. I don't even know what you would call it, but I'm sure you got a name for it. Uh, and the judges only gave it a 417. I mean, what, what do you think? What do you call it, and what do you think? Man, that thing, you know, in France we call it quiche on quiche, double entendre. Man, that thing was inverted meat. 
croissant, call it what you will. That thing is the future. His board was uplifted perfectly into the wind. If that kid took that, rewrite the book, throw it all out. Throw out the criteria. Man, that guy is still here. He's still cooking up, and that guy's going to be so fresh when he comes back next year. I know he's going to surf pipe, but you watch next year. Kelly Slater, I'm calling 12. Good on you, Chad. Now, last but not least, you did make mention you're heading over to Europe. Uh, you're going over there single and want to come home with a French croissant, French woman. What's, what's the deal? You're actually meant to be going o- over to watch the surf event. Give us your thoughts on heading over to Europe and how you get in there and what are you going to be doing? Look, I'm going there as soon as possible. I think I'll take the next Lufthansa. And, you know, I might even join the Mile High Club and get a few French lessons while I'm there. I always like the French tickler, the French kissing. Love the French women. Still sporting the pubic hair. They haven't gone Brazilian. There's no storm there. They're still sporting the bush, and I like that. Reminds me of the 70 Mayfairs. Well, good on you, Chad. We're starting to lose you here, so we'll catch up with you in Hossegor, and uh, you have a good, safe trip however you get there, and uh, we'll be talking to you from France. That was uh, Chud Spivens, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in great form, and we're going to be hearing more from him from Europe, uh, so don't forget uh, to, to log back in and check out the Carve Up. That's about going to do it for this week's show. We had a great one this week, and we look forward to talking to you from uh, France somewhere, and uh, hope you enjoy the show. Until then.